I know a lot of you have had this experience because for those of us who in 2020 were all sent home and we were stuck in a lockdown during the pandemic, we had a lot of time on our hands and I saw an ad for Masterclass and I thought, I want to better myself. I want access to all of these brilliant people who teach you things. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with more than 200 plus of the world's best and smartest. For just under 10 bucks a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And I don't care, you can wake up one morning and say, I want to learn about business. And then another where you say, I want to learn how to survive in the wild if I have no water and no fire to make me warm. You can access Masterclass on your phone, on your computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. And the classes totally make a difference. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. Hi, all you Red Fox Liz fans. Okay, you're like, what? For those of you who don't know, did you know this? Red Fox Liz is my TikTok username. And I can't even believe this. I'm saying this. I now have more than a quarter of a million followers on TikTok who tune in every day to see my market TikToks and my stock TikToks, where I highlight the biggest stock and market stories of the day. But you know what I was realizing? You know, one thing you hardly ever get while covering the minute-by-minute moves of individual stocks is the stories behind the individuals who founded those companies. I mean, these are stories of the people who stepped into the ring, often got bloodied, but fought until they managed through unbelievable persistence to get complete strangers, investors and lenders, to take a chance on their idea. Stu Landisberg knows from persistence, okay, while trying to launch his plastic neutral beauty baby and home care products company, he got, and I confirm this number, 176 no's from potential investors that he had approached. I mean, after like 12, I'd be like, I'm out, I'm out. But you know what? Not only did he keep going, he ended up getting a yes a really important one from billionaire entrepreneur Sir Richard Branson, who eventually helped Stu turn his idea, Grove Collaborative, into a publicly traded company whose products can be found not only on their website, on their app, but Target, Myers, Giant Eagle, and more. How did Stu hold up as he was, let's call it what it was, showered with rejections? Stu Landisberg is here to tell us. Welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz, Stu. I love your story. So glad to be here. Amazing. Is that a real number, 176? I, you know, the Google Sheet in which I tracked every single meeting, rejection, outbound, and try again, it is, it is absolutely a real number. You need to frame that if you haven't already. <laughs> Not sure that's inspirational or uh, depressing. No, should. no. Listen, F. Scott Fitzgerald, the famed author, papered his walls with the rejection letters that he got. It is. It's an absolutely important part of the story. And it's amazing to me how easy it would have been to say no. But I had a mantra in that phase 
that the only way out was through. And I just kept believing that. And so if you believe the only way out is through, well, then, gosh, you better keep going. Well, yeah. But it, I mean, did you develop the thick skin? It's interesting. By the end, I did. But in the beginning, no. So Grove as a company, as you mentioned, it's a consumer products company. And right. I, I started it because I, I want to save the world. I worry a lot about the coming environmental disasters. And I thought, well, gosh, you know what a really good way to do that is to try to change the dish soap that 10 million people use from stuff that's petroleum based and wrapped in plastic to sustainable products. And in retrospect, that was a, a pretty good idea, but also a pretty big challenge. And when I was pitching all of these VCs, uh, you know, dish soap didn't strike them as the next big thing. <laughs> and so it was it was an incredible lesson in humility and keeping myself positive was hard. But, I, you know, I had a team of people working for the company, working for me, counting on me to get the funding to keep the business going. I was you know, in a new relationship, sort of like potentially being judged by my my wife and gosh the it was I, there were some really dark and scary days there for sure oh i'm sure well let's go back to the first day where'd you get the idea so the idea had a couple of different origins but fundamentally it comes from all of the places where we see people making decisions that are less sustainable because they're more convenient and to be a hundred percent honest and i actually debated whether or not I should share this, but everybody talks to Liz, right? So I'll do tell it, you the truth. Do it, do <laughs> it. Um, is when I was a college kid, I observed, only observed, never partook, of course, uh, <laughs> but there were a lot of a lot of 16-ounce plastic cups being used and disposed of on campus. And of oh, course- Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've never partaken. No, but just, I've seen just, the big red ones. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me, gosh, there are compostable cups, but nobody's using them because it's it's inconvenient. And that core insight stayed with me. And I was lucky enough to work at a big private equity firm called TPG Capital, where I covered consumer and internet. And I saw that in the consumer sector, what's available to consumers is really driven by distribution, by big companies. It's really not driven by what consumers want. And then I saw, you know, this was in the early sort of 2010s, the direct consumer business model made it possible for companies to change consumer behavior, you know, in our case, change it to be more sustainable and healthier for, for families sure. by just making those products available. And so that's that was where the idea came from. It's really simple, which is if products that are better for us and better for the environment exist, why isn't everybody using it? And we can use the internet to solve that problem. Mm. From there, the business has really evolved into how do we leverage that data to create brands and products that can remove plastic and have built the market leading brand that removes plastic from the products we use every day. But in those early days, it was it was quite simple. Plastic neutral is what you promote as far as your business is concerned. And, you know, to me, as as you start off and you're looking at products and you're trying to figure out packaging, all I can think of, because you just said that you were pretty passionate about it, is that gigantic floating plastic trash island that's out on the ocean 
we often see, you know, aerial pictures of that, and it depresses me beyond belief. Or you see the turtles whose necks are surrounded by all kinds of plastic rings and things like that. And I love the idea, but how do you? How did you get your first yes? Because it's a tough sell, as you say. So people would rather take the easy route. Yeah, it's amazing how obvious it seems today, the need to move away from plastic, how much that seems like the clear manifest destiny for our industry, and how much that seemed completely insane back in 2016. And, you know, the way we got our first yes. So, you know, I'll talk a little bit through the process to give context for how we got there. You know, I would go any way I could to get into a venture investors conference room to give them the pitch. And, you know, I did everything. I remember in particular, I went through like some super fancy guy who was a mutual friend or something <laughs> to get an introduction to this prominent angel investor who was an angel investor and on the board of my wife's company. Wait, can you define angel investor for our listeners? Sure. So this is someone who'd seen a, a very you know, a lot of personal professional success. And he ran, I think, a small firm that wrote checks into early stage companies, you know, everything from a few hundred thousand dollars to a few million dollars. Gotcha. And he had a great reputation. And I got this meeting with him and I was so excited. I remember I told my wife, it was this little cafe called The Grove. Ironic the company name is now Grove, but uh, <laughs> in San Francisco. And I go into this meeting and we've got an hour scheduled. I'm texting my wife beforehand, whatever. And we go in and the meeting lasted 15 minutes. I'll spare you the conversation. But he, he walked out and said, look, I'm just going to give you a piece of advice. Well, maybe this isn't advice, but that's probably the worst idea I've, I've ever had pitched to me. So <sighs> you seem nice, but I don't think this is going to work. And he walked out 15 minutes into an hour long meeting. And I remember having to tell my wife about that. And I was so embarrassed. Um, anyway. But wait. So, but, there, but wait. Yeah. So I've always felt, because it's happened to me in my early years in my journalism career, that one of the best things somebody can tell you is you're never going to make it. I totally agree. I totally agree. It's because it's a it's a fighting mechanism, isn't it? I think for many, it's a fighting mechanism, but I believe we can choose how we react mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we can choose you know, this is a much more mature perspective that I have now than I had at the time. Oh, when oh I yeah. Really, initially, you know, I, I I was in a puddle. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Hysterical. I, initially, I was probably like expletive that guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, there was data in that and that, you know, clearly the business I'd pitched him wasn't wasn't clear enough why the future that I saw was was one that was compelling. Mm. But the way I got a yes was, so I pitched all these firms and everybody said no. And this was the second quarter of 2026, the first down quarter we ever had as a company. And we were really running out of cash. Like I was cutting checks to the company at the end of every month to make payroll. Um, my wife was only sort of aware that I was doing that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I called up this firm called Bullpen Capital. I knew they were close. And I called the, the lead partner there, a guy named Paul Martino. I said, Paul, I know you want to do this deal. And he was like, yeah, you know, expensive, whatever. I said, Paul, there's got to be a price. There's got to be a price because, you know, for your listeners who don't understand how these negotiations work, 
a lower price would give Paul a higher percentage ownership of the company, which is basically a better deal for him. And I said, Paul, there's got to be a price at which you would do this deal. Mm. And Paul, great guy. His reaction was, you do not want to have that conversation with me. <laughs> because you'd come out on uh, perceived to be the losing end. Oh, yeah. He was like, I'm going to take too much of your company. Uh. And I said, Paul, I do want to have that conversation. That's where we are. And to his credit, he struck an extraordinarily fair deal. Hmm. We ended up getting the round done at a $12.3 million valuation. And, you know, the business, when we went public, was worth billions of dollars. And I just, we got that deal over the line with Paul. And I think that quarter we did maybe $1 million in sales. And, you know, that was in Q2 2016. And we did $100 million for the calendar year 2018. <gasps> oh, really my God. I love that. I love that. But wait. But Wait. Let's get to the point where you were ready or you were approached. you got to give us the inside scoop about Sir Richard Branson and how you got on his radar. So Richard is fantastic, and we're so lucky to be partnered with Virgin. And Grove, we were lucky to go public earlier this year. And it's always been my aspiration to take the company public. You know, this is a purpose-built company, and... We have our best days are absolutely ahead of us. If you look at the problem we're trying to solve, you know, this is one that we can we can solve this problem for 50 years. And I believe build one of the most important companies in the world by solving the plastic problem in this this massive trillion dollar industry of home and personal care products. And so when we we're going to go public, we could have gone the traditional IPO route, but we decided, you know, I've always been someone who believes if you want to go far, go together. And so we looked for a partner to take us public who shared our belief in the long-term vision. And we had a number of really compelling offers. But when I sat down with Richard, admittedly, you know, Zoom sat down, I was expecting the meeting to be about our business, P&L. And he just, first question he asked me is, why is plastic the right problem? Oh, Interesting. And I explained to him, you know, look, there's three pillars of major environmental crises that have to get solved, right? Decarbonization of our energy economy. Mm -hmm. Everyone's seen that's created massive companies and massive wealth. Moving away from industrial animal agriculture, we've all seen plant-based proteins created massive companies and massive wealth. Right. And the third pillar is plastic, and we are the company that's going to do that. But the reason plastic is important is because it's based on petroleum. It contributes to the carbon and climate problems that we have today. There's plastic at the bottom of the ocean in virgin snow in the Antarctic. There's plastic in a pregnant, in an unborn fetus and in all of our blood. It, it's everywhere. It we doesn't degrade. No, it doesn't. And it's, it's really not recyclable. And it's an incredible problem, an incredible opportunity. And so he's like, okay, cool. I get it why plastic is the right problem. And then we spent the rest of the conversation talking about how to eradicate, how to solve the plastic mm -hmm. waste problem over the next 30 years. It wasn't about, hey, what's revenue next quarter? It was about how do we together build a company that can solve one of the world's most important problems? And that and a partner was so attractive that I was, you know, it was, it was an easy choice from there to right. go with Virgin. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we'll be right back. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. 
formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. When I buy Grove products, tell our listeners what they're packaged in. So today we have a commitment to be 100% plastic free by 2025. And we have over 100 million in sales today of zero plastic products, which makes us the clear market leader. And so a lot of those are packaged in aluminum, which is the most circular material out there. Aluminum can be recycled with over 95% energy recapture. And the vast majority of aluminum is recycled. Something like 70% of all the aluminum that's ever been sort of taken out of the ground is still in circulation. You compare that to plastic, which is plastic recycling is borderline propaganda created by the chemical companies in the 70s so that what happened to styrofoam didn't happen to plastic because we as consumers are smart, right? We don't like to use stuff that we know is obviously wasteful. Mm -hmm. And so the plastic recycling industry, it's debatable if it's actually what percent of it is just marketing benefit for the big petroleum companies. But we use aluminum, which is infinitely recyclable, glass, which is infinitely recyclable, and paper, which is infinitely recyclable. And we try to find more efficient formats. So we have bar shampoo, where you basically take all the water out and it's just the actives. If you buy an all-purpose cleaner from us, you'll get just a one-ounce all-purpose cleaner and you can buy one of our beautiful Use Forever glass bottles and you add the 16 ounces of water yourself. So you're getting not just a zero plastic package, but a smaller package, which is also more efficient. So we really try to find business models where you can get, you can find packaging that's a better customer experience, an affordable price point, and also 100% sustainable. To me, the issue is every time I go to open something and I see that it's plastic, I actually get really upset. I get depressed and I think, why did I buy this? What comes to mind, and my kids are older now, so I don't have to buy them toys anymore, but toys are packaged in this very hard plastic. You almost cut your hands on it when you try and open some of these toys. The plastic is so durable and hard. And I think to myself, why have they not come up with something better? And here you are doing it, but does it cost more 
to package something in aluminum and therefore it makes the product more expensive. And that's hard. That's a hard sell to a consumer who right now is facing a lot of inflation. Yeah, it's absolutely the right question. And I think the natural products industry, because we also use the highest quality formulations, Mm -hmm. has a bad rap in terms of price because historically natural products were available through high price channels. But for us, and this is one of the reasons why we partnered with Target, and if you go to the Grove app, you'll see our products are extraordinarily well-priced. We've always made sure that the products are at parity with other national brands. And we've always made sure that they really, really work. So our efficacy is, is on par with the leading national brand, and in some cases better, even though our prices aren't high, because we understand that anytime somebody buys a product from Grove, if it's a zero waste laundry sheet or zero plastic dish soap, mm-hmm. that consumer is taking a chance and well, we need to over deliver right. for their dishes, for their laundry. What you is know, your my, my best life. selling product right now? What is resonating with the consumer? So the best selling product, you can find this in Target, is the zero waste hard surface cleaner line. So this is the one where you buy a reusable glass bottle. You can use it forever. They're mm-hmm. totally beautiful. Um, you can buy them in a lot of different colors, match your decor. You can rotate around and see to get a different label based on how you spin the the silicon base. And then you add a one ounce concentrate and the concentrates range from glass cleaner, all-purpose cleaner, floor cleaner, bathroom cleaner, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the reason it's worked so well is it's so obviously better than the alternative. You know, once you see that all you need is this tiny little vessel, sort of the size of a lip balm, that's all you need. Then when you see the big 24-ounce plastic bottle from the store from the other brand, it looks insanely wasteful. And you can't unsee that insight. That right. Really what you've been buying in your 24-ounce glass cleaner is 23 and a half ounces of water. I'm listening to you, and you're so passionate about this, which I love. How much is passion? How crucial is passion and that ability to draw upon it like it's some hidden well during the darkest of times as you're trying to build a business? How crucial is that? Liz, I think it is. When I talk to, to young entrepreneurs, I always say only do something you love because there are a lot of times where it really stinks. And if you're in it for the money, it's not going to be motivating, right? When the money's not there. But if you're in it because you believe, because this is what you want to be, this is what you want to tell your grandchildren you did, Mm. right? People don't ask, what job do you have? They ask, what did you do? Think about how profound that is. If If you pick your endeavor with whatever you want However you want to answer the question, what do you do? Well, what I want to do is change the world by removing plastic from this category, make it a positive force for human and environmental health. You know, that is a joy to do if I was making a million dollars a year or a thousand dollars a year. You know, that's, that's been an incredible source of, I think, resilience to me as well. And now that we've achieved some success, I think we're still early in our journey, but now that we've achieved some success, it is, it's in, I think, a hundred times more gratifying because ultimately what gives me joy is not, gosh, great, you know, my salary went up a little bit, but 
it's really, what have we accomplished? What do we stand for? What does our brand mean to people in the world? And I think that's, so, you know, it was a, it was an easy question, but I think, I think I cannot imagine being on this journey without passion. Stu, I want our listeners to know as we finish up that you talk about success and now that you've gotten more successful, uh, I checked your stock. And listen, stock numbers are not the barometer of true success. I want everybody to know that. But it doesn't hurt. It's like ratings in television. (laughs) Um, You're up 50% quarter to date during a very difficult time for this country, what with inflation and all of the issues with rising interest rates. And uh, I just I cannot wait to continue following this story. And boy, uh, that 176 rejection number, the fact that you fought through that, I hope our listeners grab onto that and run with it toward their own idea. Thank you so much for telling us that story. Such a pleasure. Stu Landisberg of The Grove Collaborative. Check out the products. We got to get rid of the plastic, folks. This is really, you know, sickening, sickening. Um, Okay, but let's end on a positive note. My TikTok followers, (laughs) a quarter of a million. I mean, I'm an old fogey. You know, the fact that I'm doing well on TikTok is, Stu, that's nuts, right? I follow you. Oh, at Red Fox Liz. Okay, I want you all to know how much I appreciate you, as always, and uh, I will see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Claim and Countdown. We are coming up on our 15th anniversary, and you know what? Maybe for the 15th anniversary, we'll talk about our early years and the startup we had at Fox Business where we couldn't get graphics up on the air. I mean, I was running around. It was just eating Skittles for lunch. I mean, the whole thing was a disaster. But here we are beating the competition now. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.